This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. It's Tuesday and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 99 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott and as always joined by Gavin J. Baxter and Graeme Steele. Gents, how's it going? Good, thank you. One run away from the maiden century. Unbelievable. Who would have thought you could have taken three jabronis, put them through the nonsense that Aberdeen have put us through in the last two years and would be here on the other side to, uh, to tell the tale. I'm very well, thank you. Indeed. Uh, strictly speaking, we've already passed 100 mark. We're probably closing on 150 if you count minis, but never mind. Never mind. It's coming. It's, um, yeah, we we control the record book. It's like Goldberg in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> Graham's already just like, oh. All right, second gen, we've started this. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'm just amazed you know who Goldberg is. This might be a really short episode for me if this continues. <laughs> <laughs> in a week, so we nazy failed to get the Robson bounce that Hearts were hoping for. They saw Dunfermline promoted back to the Championship for the first time of asking, which means the very first of my pre-season predictions has already fallen by the wayside. And that sees Sam and Danny from the Dogger Saints installed as Bookie's favourites to take over from Calm Davidson in Perth. I tell you what, with Steve McLean going as interim manager, there's now a new contender for the biggest arsehole in the managerial hot seat in the top flight. <laughs> fuck, fuck that guy. It's... Maybe a busy one on the ABZFP this week. We'll see how we go as we're going to bring you our preview of next Sunday's clash with Sevco 5088 Limited trading as the Rangers at Pataudry. As the pre-split fixtures in the cinch come to a close, we'll catch up with the young team, the Quines, and our loan players in Lone Watch. And after the break, it is the return of Jeff's Music Corner. It's a doozy this week, selected by Monsieur Graeme Steele, and we'll take your requests in Listener's Corner. And before we get going, a quick shout-out to the Twitter handle, at HoofPrem. Um, whoever's behind this one, great stuff. Going back through this season so far, and uh, but they've also intimated that they're going to go further back where you just strip out all results involving the old firm to see who it is that is topping the table. And, well, it is the mighty leading the way at the top of the Hoof Cinch Prem as we speak. Get on this one, guys, at HoofPrem. I'm sure it's going to be great content for the rest of the season. But anyway, lads... Shall we move on to the preview? Let's do this. One game left until the split. And could it be any bigger? Although both sides are obviously confirmed as being in the top six at the moment. But nonetheless, a massive game in particular for Aberdeen. Don's coming into it. Six wins on the bounce. We are the most informed team in the league alongside Celtic. Sevco with four wins from their last five in the league. The latest, obviously, their 5-2 win over St Mirren. 
on Saturday. The two meetings between the sides so far this season in the league. Well, we don't need to talk about the one at Ibrox and, of course, the gut-wrenching 3-2 defeat at Pataudry just before Christmas, the League Cup semi-final, of course, finishing 2-1 to the bad guys after extra time. Dons with no win against Sevco at Pataudry since September 2016. That glorious, glorious James Madsen free kick and the satisfying thump it makes off the stanchion. Since then, 10 games played, 6 wins for the visitors and 4 draws. The Dons with no wins at all against Sevco since March 2019 in a Scottish Cup quarterfinal replay at Ibrox in the league. No wins since December 2018. That 1-0 win at Ibrox with Scott McKenna adding a good 3 million to his asking price that evening. Since Mick Beals come in at Ibrox, only two defeats in all competitions, both of those against Celtic, one in the League Cup final, the other hand, uh, sorry, the other in the most recent Glasgow derby. They do face off against Celtic the following Sunday from this game in the Scottish Cup semi-final. That is, of course, Rangers' only chance of silverware now this season. All three of Rangers' defeats this season have come on the road. Two defeats at Celtic Park and a 2-1 defeat at McDermott Park on the 6th of November. Remember, that's the St. Johnson side with the worst home record in the league. Rangers coming into this one, second top scorers in the league, 81 against an expected goals of 71.5. 57 of those from open play, 16 from set pieces. That's the second highest in the league. And eight penalties. And this won't shock you, but the 10 awarded penalties they've had this season is the highest in the league. Good job, we're all sitting down. <laughs> Just a coincidence. Absolutely. Tavernier, their top scorer with 15. Cholak next up on 13. And then Morelos on 11. Defensively, second best in the league. 32 conceded, 22 from open play, 9 from set pieces. None from penalties. I hope you're sitting down again here, lads, because they've not had a penalty given against them this season. I'm speechless. <laughs> on average, conceding at least one per game. The nine that they've conceded from set pieces is not one of the better records in the league. They're below Ross County and Dundee United on that metrics. And a set play expected goals against of 6.26 would indicate that they could, perhaps, maybe, be got at at set plays. We'll come to that later on. In terms of style, not that marked a difference, I don't think, between how Van Bronckhorst had them playing. It's still quite patient, averaging 4.15 passes per sequence. That's the second highest in the league. A direct speed of 1.43 metres per second. That's how quickly the ball moves up the pitch. That is the third lowest speed in the league. One thing that they've certainly done, though, more under Beal is look to use the wide areas a lot more frequently. Uh, Beal much more likely to look to stretch the game wide, use the pace uh, from a mixture of the likes of Tillman, Kant, Sakala, uh, overlaps from Barisic and Tavernier are, continue to be a big threat. And Cantwell's kind of just generally being used to pick up pockets of space in the number 10 area. Number of injuries to Rangers in their last outing, um, which meant the likes of Kent, Jack, Cholak, Goldson and Scott Wright all missed, but they do still have obviously quite a strong squad anyway. The likes of Haji, Arfield, Kamara and Matondo all able to come off the bench against St Mirren. In terms of the press... PPD of 8.7, that points to Rangers being the second most pressing side in the division. Definitely something that Beal has looked to improve on under Van Bronckhorst. Eh, sorry, Beal has looked to improve on compared to Van Bronckhorst. Certainly pressing with more intensity. So it might not be the worst idea in the world, actually, to be deciding to knock the ball up and over the top of the press here. Um, and that's something we've actually been quite handy doing in recent weeks. Anyway, that's as much as I want to talk about them. Let's look at us. Big decision point, first up the bat, is going to be how do we replace... Graham Shinney, because I'm fully expecting that if we decide to appeal this this week, it's not going to be um, upheld, so he will be missing. He's already facing a three-match ban anyway, as a result of the fact that that's his second red card of the season. It'll be interesting to know if the SFA take a view, if we do appeal this, whether it's a, in inverted commas, frivolous appeal, and they, they slap an extra game ban on top just for the lols. 
So how do you think we go with this one, Laz? You expect Ramadan will come back in after injury, uh, sorry, after illness at Ross County last week. Do we need to bolster that central midfield area a little bit more? Do we go back to that kind of that that more defined solid three in the middle rather than the more advanced position that Duncan's been taking up more recently? I think in an ideal world, I'd like to think we've got enough about us to take the game to them. But in reality, probably trying to shore it up a little bit more is a smarter way to go. And I'm also, I don't think Duncan has been really contributing that much over the last couple of games. Not really trying to... Yeah, so I actually am not really of the opinion that he should necessarily be in from the start anyway, based on his form. But it does then leave you with that. It's a bit of a tricky one to solve, isn't it? I mean, Ramadan is a slam dunk. If he's fit, he'll be back. But given that Robson has used Duncan, I'm not quite sure who else he's... Who would you put in or what do you do to tinker and shift players around? So that's probably... That's probably the... It's probably the only decision he's got to make, really, isn't it? How we shuffle the squad around to fit a replacement for for Graham Shinney in, yeah. Um, my my take is that um, as much as I like Graham, I'd like to go into it with a very very positive mindset and have Ryan Duncan there in that number ten role. I don't think his performances against either Kilmarnock or Ross County warrant another start. Um, I think. When you look back through the years, generally speaking, even if it's at home, um, chances are Rangers are going to have, have a a lot of the ball, and you need everyone off the ball to be to be on their game. I don't know if Duncan's that guy, so I would expect, like I've been kind of saying the last couple of games, that Ross McCrory will will actually now uh, make that move into centre midfield to partner Ramadani, provided that he's fit and well. I can't see us changing the shape. So I, I think at the third time of prediction, uh, Matty Kennedy will come into the team and we'll keep the same shape. So McCrory into centre midfield. Mick Beale has, has favoured the 4-2-3-1 shape since he's come in at Rangers. He did toy with the 4-3-3 a little bit, but it's been 4-2-3 in the last few weeks. It'll be interesting to see how we match up that way. I mean, we have, it appears, settled on a three at the back and then a variation of uh, five in midfield and a two up top or a, a kind of four and a one and a two. It will be interesting to see how that does match up. A 3-5-2, 3-4-1-2 versus their 4-2-3-1. This is the one thing that does concern me a little bit is probably the movement of their front four that they're most likely to play. Um, if they can kind of pick up pockets of space in between our defenders, between the lines, McDonald, Pollock, Scales have all done very, very well in recent games where it's been a little bit more agricultural, let's call it that way. I do have a little bit of a concern about them getting turned and, and the players getting the run on them. Is it a game that we maybe do look at changing formation here, or do you think that Robson is now welded to this this kind of three at the back? Well, what uh, what formation would you change it to if you wished to do so? Well, this is the question. Uh, the The obvious way to look at it would be go back four, and you just match up, and you go four two three one. Um, would be the, the obvious way to approach it. But I don't know. I, it's it's a, it's going to be an interesting three five two versus four two three one. Is always a very interesting tactical dynamic, anyway. Um, any number of tactical permutations are always interesting when it comes to Aberdeen versus Rangers. Um, I think given that we have achieved more clean sheets in the last, what, nine games than we probably have in about two seasons, it feels that it would be a folly, you know, unfairly, <laughs> to, to change things around that. It's, it's proving to be, you know, a success. Um, certainly and everyone seems to know their role, uh, their duty within the system, um, you're going to have still have a lot of work from 
the kid, like a Hayes, uh, McCrory, Ramadani, Leighton Clarkson. Duke was putting in an immense shift on on uh, on Friday night at, at Dingwall, especially. I'd, I wouldn't be tinkering too much. Um, I'd get the point that they are. There's a lot of pace. There's a lot of um, a lot of passing and a lot of neat movement within Rangers. It's it is what I remember of Gerrard's time, especially when they were at their best. Is that yet? Yeah, it was the four two three one, the fullbacks getting into support and the front three being a uh, a little bit almost like um, Hayes, McGinn, and Pollitt. You know, it's just, you can never really quite track where they're where they are. And so there's a lot of movement, and then obviously you have Morelos up front. But um, for me, I think I'd be trying as best I can to keep things consistent um let us know where our strengths are and i i do believe that um it'll be a huge challenge it'll be the biggest test play for um mcdonald pollock especially liam scales but um i think they can i think they've got more than enough to stand up to it yeah i think it's there's also that you know at home you know previous manager and was an extreme example of the celtic games right where he just set us up to try and not get beat and that was an extreme example it's also there is an element of this is a probably one of the biggest tests Robson's faced so far, and you know previous criticisms of previous managers, and this goes back well probably for many many years, is that we're maybe a little bit too defensive at home in these games or showing too much respect to everyone and package it up. So I think if Robson goes and adopts that mould, you know that might. Um, that's not a great message to send out, albeit I can see why he would consider doing it. I think Rangers can be, they've got some decent players, uh, attacking players, but I kind of feel like the run we're on, if if you're, if you're going to be in a position where you back your squad to just say, well, we'll take on anyone, surely now it's got to be the time to take that approach. I mean, we're, you know, six in a row, clean sheets. I know it's not always been the most attractive football, but I don't think we can be getting too greedy at this stage. So, other than the sort of shiny dilemma, I'd probably just keep it as close to what it's been I and mean, it's been working for us. So, yeah. you know, now's not the time to rip it all up. The good thing, of course, with the three-five-two is it does mean you, you keep two up top, which does mean if you do try to move the ball at the park quite quickly, which is what I think we will also try to do, is I think I think we'll be relatively direct in the way we play when we get the ball. Um, we've already touched on it earlier on. The Rangers are the second... Um, highest pressing team in the league it's not a team against who you want to be pricking about too much with the ball at the back with which is something we've not really done an awful lot with with under robson anyway nope. um so at least by at least having two up top but by keeping the three at the back you do have that threat up there and you've got the opportunities there miofsky's hold up play has improved in recent weeks i think it's probably fair to say duke's always a threat running in behind if you can also get another midfield runner joining that that does at least give us opportunities to get the ball at the park get bodies up the park, get some territory, and also you never know what can happen. We saw it in the game before Christmas that when we did go a little bit more direct against Rangers, we did cause some problems. And also it, it Hamden in the semi-final, to be fair. We weren't, you know, we weren't, we weren't maybe as direct as we have been recently, but we were certainly trying to move the ball at the park quite quickly, look for the balls over the back of the fullbacks, especially for Rangers when they tried to press high. It's where we get the first goal from um, from Miofsky through. I think the two at the top, I, I'm, I'm unsure, I'm not too convinced about the three at the back element of it but I think keeping two up top is important especially because our hearts are home to Ross County on uh, Saturday next week Hibs travel to St Johnston St Mirren are home to Kilmarnock so that's all happening on the Saturday so we'll know our task before we come into the game it's the flip side of what happened last weekend 
what do you want to see from us guys in terms of approach on Sunday? Because defensively, it feels to me that Rangers can be got at. They've only had two clean sheets in their last seven league games. They are averaging conceding at least a goal a game. Um, indeed, I think it's 56% of Rangers games this season have seen both teams scoring. That's the second highest percentage in the league as well. We've shown against them already this season we can score. What do you want us to see? What do you want to see from us from an approach perspective? Um, very much more of like what we saw in, especially in the opening 45 minutes against Hearts. Just a lot of intent from the very first whistle. Um, I think that the back three, that system still allows us to get a number of players into attacking areas. You know, the, the wing backs have got license to travel. Uh, the center midfielders are getting up close to the strikers. We're keeping the two strikers, as you mentioned. Um, they've shown, both of them have shown they can can score goals against Rangers this season. Um, it's while Rangers are winning games, certainly under 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 Michael Beale, um, except when they come against Celtic, I guess there is definitely a team there that's um, susceptible. And jokes aside, Connor Golson is probably their best centre half. He might be missing again. Um, I've never been convinced by John Suter. I'm even less convinced by Ben Davies and the rest of the mob. Um, I think there's a genuine chance here to lay down a marker, especially for going into the split. And one of the good things I think is that by Robson's not going to be, his approach to the game is not going to be swayed by some kind of popularity contest. He will go about it in the way that he sees fit. If that is, you know, making it a bit stuffy, um, a bit more conservative and we can get the win uh, by playing a more direct style. I have absolutely no problem with that. Um, but I think it would also go a long way to allaying any concerns of people who are maybe still not convinced if we could beat Rangers and make it, what would that be? Eight wins out of 10, go in the split. I mean, the, the job is then his, in my in my mind. Um, I think just more of the same, maybe just having a little bit more more about us, a little bit more intent when it comes to getting forward um, in comparison to maybe as we were against uh, Ross County. Yeah, I think we need to show an ambition and an intent to win the game. If we don't, then he's basically just like every other manager. <laughs> in the, you, you know, it's, in the, it's fine. Yeah, I was going to ask this. But it's like, like the phrase flat track bully, it's, it's fine beating everyone else. But if you can't then set yourself up or even have the belief that you can compete against either of them, then you're kind of back to square one and so much as what's the point. There's plenty of recent evidence, even uh, at Hamden, when we were in the midst of this disastrous run of form. Uh, after that, we then obviously go and get stuffed by hearts. Darvel, Hibbs, we all know how it plays out. We're now a better team, got a better group of players. We've got not got centre-backs. We're going to sell the jersey the way Tony Stewart did that day. We have got... But we can take a lot of belief from that game because we showed on a bigger pitch that we can certainly compete with them. Tawdry, Sunday evening, I think all the ingredients are there. Bad Robson makes the job his own. Do you think, though, and I'm just going to put this out here as a bit of devil's advocacy more than anything else, I think Barry Robson's a fairly pragmatic individual, is probably the best way to put it. Does he look at a point on Sat on Sunday would be a good result? That'd be a point gained, you know... I'm trying to put this That's in a way. That's often how a draw works. You get a point, yes. Thank you. I'm trying to put this in a way, though, you know, whereby. BSFA, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to put this in a way about, you know, is it less. It's, it's, it's unlikely that other teams around us who we're competing with to finish third will pick up points against the old firm going in through the split, potentially. So does he view this as being a, a point gained is better than nothing at all? 
it would maintain us at least, depending on whatever what else happens in, in the other fixtures, at least a three-point gap into the split. Does he kind of set up to take a point? And that's an interesting dynamic to this. We will have to wait and see. Having watched a lot of Barry Robson in his career, I don't believe for a second that he views any game as anything other than a win is what he's going to be aiming for. But uh, I, I cannot for the life of me see him taking the same kind of Jim Goodwin-style approach as we did against Celtic, as we did against Rangers when we when we were 2-1 up at Pataudry. I think he'll uh, he'll be going to win the game, convinced of it. Is there though a bit... It's, it's different now. We've got something to kind of defend and hold on to, don't we? Does that change mindsets? We're the team in the driving seat now. We've got this position to try and maintain. We're not chasing down anyone anymore. We're, we are now the hunted as opposed to being the hunters. It might change the perspective of the players, I guess, but I think Byrobs will just be reinforcing that message that he just keeps on keeping on with about one game at a time. And this is a real opportunity for us to, you know, he can say that a point would be great, but also a win would just be exquisite uh, as far as going into the top split and giving us a real gap, uh, giving us some, uh, what's the term, a cushion going into the split. Um, so I, I'm convinced... The Barry Robson that I've seen for the last 15, 20 years, whatever it's been, he's going to win this game. I think he'd be crazy not to. I mean, it's a bit of a free hit. If you go for it and nothing happens, well, you know, you don't take points off from that often anyway. And like you said, probably no one else will throughout the split. So from that point of view, you'd still be, <clears throat> say hearts win, you'd still be ahead of them. And to a degree, you control things because you've got to play them again. If you go for it and you get something out of it, and now whether the something turns out to be a point, great, or if you were somehow able to get all three, then you really are in great shape because you've kind of got those bonus points. You might not get anything off them in the split, but probably no one else will. But then when you look at the situation with Hearts, you'd have a decent cushion. You you know you you can you're playing them again, and the relative forms would sort of suggest that unless there's a huge change, you're going to have enough about you in the split to keep that gap so I think I think you gotta go for it um, if you could if you could get the win you know, you're that much closer to wrapping up third that much earlier and it would just take a lot of pressure off us I think and just really ramps it up on hearts because then they're thinking right okay that's that's like one game less that we've got to catch up now theoretically I was going to come on this in a minute but we can talk about it now because theoretically obviously after this week the easy games have gone for the teams who finish in the top six. You're going to be playing all the teams around you. Yeah. You know, we know how cutthroat the top six fixtures can be. Um, if we can go into the split with something approaching more than a three-point gap to fourth, that would be an unbelievable position to go into it now, wouldn't it? I mean, we've talked now at length about how unbelievable it is that we're in this position now, but now it's the time for us to capitalize on it. And if we can go into the split with more than three points on the table, the cushion, we're in pole position at that point, surely. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely, because if you've got that point where you've got you know, a game or two in hand where you could botch it up, you know, you've only got five games left, so unless there's a real collapse in form, surely you're not going to chuck it from there. I have, I fully believe that we are going to prove Michael Beale right after all this time and we're going to show that we are the third best team in Scotland. I personally feel, I don't know about you guys, I think this could be a big game for Kel Roos. He's come in. He's done well since he's returned. Indeed, he now leads the league in terms of his save percentage, 75%. Again, something that we wouldn't have necessarily thought just a few weeks ago. Rangers do have the largest number of shots on target by any team in the league this season, 232 so far. That's six more than Celtic have managed. Although, to be fair, I pulled that stat before the Kilmarnock game. 
um, this afternoon. So that has probably gone out the window by now. Um, but you'll imagine Kelrus is going to be called into action at some point on Sunday afternoon. So it's a big game for him. Well, I was going to say Celtic scored four today, so I'm sure that probably has, they probably have overtaken Rangers in that particular metric. Um, you know what, Kel? Kel is winning me over. I'm going to put that on record there. He's been really good since he came back into the, the team after his injury. Um, he's been so much more confident with his goalkeeping. Um, we've known that he's a decent shot stopper, um, but his his proactiveness with his coming and commanding his box is, um, is really, really impressing me. Whether that's just more confidence being in the defense or, you know, Sampson, the management have had a word. Who knows? But I, I'm liking him. And this is, it's another game. It's, it's a bit like, um, you know, Kilmarnock. It's a bit like uh, Hearts as well. There's there's moments where you're going to need your keeper to come up with, with big moments. And Rangers at Pataldry is going to be no different. It doesn't matter how well we defend. They are going to, you know, break through. And that's when you need your keeper to come up with, with big saves and in, in those big moments. Um it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be a big game for sure. It's he's another one likewise where I think for him, maybe even with the management, it's a chance for him to just cement his place that he is the number one goalkeeper at Aberdeen. Because I'm sure we'll be looking for an alternative going into going into next season. He's, yeah, he's going to have saves to make to keep us in the game because they are going to put us under pressure. I'm less concerned with his shot stopping. Still not totally convinced with balls into the box. I mean. The defence played really well on Friday, but I felt there were quite a few situations where a more commanding keeper just collects a ball and you know takes the heat out of the situation. That being said, if he's maybe now you know sort of building up a an understanding with the defence that that's not really his game, and they know that and they know he's not going to be coming for things, then maybe that's a little bit easier. It's probably a little easier to play in a defence where you know the relative strengths and weaknesses and what people are going to do or not going to do. You know, the nightmare scenarios where you've got the keeper who's always starts to come for a ball, everyone sees that, leaves it, and then you find the keeper's back in his line and you've conceded. So I would like to see him command the ball, uh, the box a little bit better. But um, yeah, he's been decent since he came back. Certainly not, he's by no means a weak link. Uh, and to your point, if Horter's not playing, he's not going to come back on loan. So we will be looking for someone else. So I assume... He's going to have some competition, so he's kind of auditioning to an extent as well. Because there's no, I mean, it might may or may not be Robson uh, and Cole that are the management team. So anyone who's looking from the outside in, the view to getting this job or applying for it is obviously going to be watching all these players. So everyone's basically auditioning for their for their starting spots next season. So for this season, still we've yet to pick up any points this campaign. After the opposition have scored first, um, the opposite's not true for the visitors. Nine times this season they've conceded first, which again shows they can be got at. They have then, however, gone on to take points in nine of those games. It, it seems, and I know it's all. I know the first goal is critical in every game of football, but it feels to me that it is really important in terms of our chances to take points on Sunday afternoon that we get the opening goal. Yeah, and maybe I mean maybe if we can hold off a little bit later than we did against Kilmarnock. Maybe that would be an instance of scoring too early, as they say. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you know, if they score first, that they will just pass the ball around till their heart's content and just try and, you know, be patient and tear us open. I, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely, it's definitely an essential thing that we get the first goal. Um, it's been, it'll probably still be a little bit of a monkey on the back for a lot of the players that we haven't been able to turn a game around. You know, we came close, I guess, at, at Pataudry against Rangers. 
until we uh, we chucked it uh, at the very end there. But um, I think you know it's it's essential just for the mental aspect, and then it's, if you can get in a good early goal as well, you're just going to get Patology rocking and make it even more of an intimidating atmosphere for the Rangers players. Some of which I'm not sure they'll really ever experience Patology like that. So yeah, let's hope that Duke and Miofsky can have their shooting boots on nice and early. Yeah, if we can get the first goal, like you said, just puts the puts the pressure on gets what will be a pretty vocal home crowd. You know, just more and more behind the team and with the confidence that there must be in that squad currently, uh, surely that's just going to, you know, keep everyone uh, pushing on for the win. So, yeah, but I think it'd be a big deal to, to score first. I mean, I, if we don't, I'm probably not as concerned as I would have been a couple of months ago. You know, we haven't really, we're not really capitulated under Robson yet, so you would hope that there's enough about us to still stay in the game, but clearly getting that, that first goal would make a big difference. And around about 90 minutes would be fine for me. <laughs> okay, let's um let's look at predictions then for Sunday afternoon, half past four on the telly. Um is it is it a bigger game for us than it is for them this Sunday afternoon? I mean, this, they've got nothing to play for in the league now. It's huge for us in terms of whether we can get that third spot. They do, and I know I talked about in the week before the last week, they do have the Scottish Cup semi-final the week after, um, which is their only chance of winning silverware this season now. Is it the chance that they take an eye off the ball a little bit at Pataudry, or is it, despite what they will try to tell us, just as big a game for them as it is for us? And they've had a tough old game against Sitman and Ibrox, so they'll be weary from that. And we had a, a day's extra rest. Ingredients are all there. Um, we've been down this road way too many times. You know that it's a big game for Rangers um, away from home at Pataudry. Their players will be as up for it as they uh, ever will be so no I do not think that they will take their eye off the ball per se but in saying that when it comes to the prediction side of things I think yeah, it's going to be taking his eye off the ball I think it's going to be a, a high scoring game it could be high scoring for Aberdeen you mean it's going to be fast kicking but it ain't going to be low scoring <laughs> I think it's going to be 4-3 Aberdeen mm, a spicy meatball an incredibly spicy meatball finalised, settled by Leighton Clarkson. Basically, the spirit of James Madison will take over him. He will score a late free kick past old man McGregor and Pataudry will go wild. And then we'll all leave and talk about how our pressing wasn't good enough. <laughs> Which is what I remember after that game and realising that football had changed. Maybe not for the better. Graham, your thoughts? Half four, spicy meatball ahead. According to Gav, what are you thinking? You're, you're way more pragmatic normally. No, I'm I'm going to break the mould of my usual pessimism and I'm going to say Aberdeen 2, them 1. Ooh, ooh, there we go. Uh, I'm going to join Gav for this one. I think it's going to be... Uh, I think Don's going to turn it on. Aberdeen 3, them 1. Well, they'll score first money as well. Nil, nil. They'll score first <laughs> as well. We'll turn that record around and, spoiler alert, Ross Kite will pick up something at Tynecastle on Saturday. And the Dons will suddenly be like seven points clear now. And it'll be ridiculous. They'll be on their summer holidays nice and early. Third place is not the be all and end all. Mason <laughs> said it himself. On to Lone Watch. Con McLennan and his long, luscious locks got the full 90 minutes as St. Johnston were beaten at Livingston two goals to nil. That's four defeats in their last five as they slip further and further towards the trapdoor from the Premiership. Calm Davidson emptied 
on Sunday afternoon, uh, Steve McLean in charge. I think that is it just me or that feels like every other man, every other chairman in Scotland's now going. Well, it worked for Aberdeen with Robson, so let's just try that. It's a nice change of pace because I can assure you, no chairman have been looking at Aberdeen the last two years and said, "Let's do what they're doing." Uh, where were we? Kieran Nguenya at Wraith. Out of the match day squad as Wraith drew 1-1 with our both in the championship. Jack Milne before his crazy night out on Saturday uh, with a full 90 minutes as Kelty were beaten by one goal to nil by Aloha in League One. Uh, Aaron Reid and Evan Tower at Elgin. Tyler missing out through injury. Aaron Reid with a start. Scored Elgin second as they beat Forfer by two goals to nil to get themselves off the foot of the table. They're now four points clear of Albion Overs. What a mental league League Two is. Mm-hmm. All I'm going to say is I'm going to apologise to the people of Forf Athletic because Guy was bigging them up last week, which obviously was the kiss of death. Well, I saw that they'd posted during the week that they were mathematically safe. So that automatically to me just means, well, that's everybody just like, done, fine. They're in about the playoffs, aren't they? Uh, I think they were, but I, I don't know. Anyway, I saw them tweeting that and just one of those moments like, oh, what are you doing? I don't understand this. <laughs> why, why is that the message? Anyway. Uh, Kevin Hanratty started as for Martin United were beaten by Graham's second team Bucky Thistles because of the green and white hoops we all know uh, 1-0 to Bucky in the Highland League I think that means Bucky are pretty much now odds on to win the Highland League I think at this stage now they're, they're four points ahead of breaking but breaking have a given hand yeah so that's gonna happen isn't it so well they play each other I think it might be the last game of the season well do they oh that's a spicy yeah where about at Bucky oh if it's not the last game, it's towards, it's like second to last. So it's, there was a point, I think Breaking Drop point recently, there was a point where they were on course for that to be the shootout. Uh, okay. So, well, because obviously by now, we'll have obviously sealed third spot at a canter. So, Graham, with your uh, with your lodge connections in the bucket area, can you secure us briefs for that massive game? Not for you two fannies, no. <laughs> Graham's going to be too preoccupied putting, you know, like, like that spike thing that police put across the road to like stop motorbike bikes or whatever, like fast cars. It's going to be, it's going to be a stinger. Yeah, he's going to be with that around but Stonehaven waiting for the Breaking City bus to come over. <laughs> no, anytime I go to Bucky, I'm too full of tenants and whiskey function. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I will be incapable of organising anything. Excellent, lovely stuff. Um, Anthony Stewart. Started and lasted the full 90 minutes as the dawns of a Milton Keynes variety drew 2-2 with that leading force of world football, Cheltenham Town in League One. Uh, Dean Campbell, an unused substitute as Stevenage beat AFC Wimbledon by two goals to one in League Two. Stevenage remained in third and in the automatic promotion places. Vicente Bajown, we all know about his back with Audrey, uh, rehabbing. Dante Povara, the Charleston Barry. So he was sent off last week. That red card was overruled on appeal. Uh, which meant he was available to face FC Tulsa in the USL Championship on Saturday. And he returned in style. A start, the winning goal, nice little left foot finish as well. And he lasted until the 76th minute as the battery beat Tulsa 2-1. He also picked up the Man of the Match award. So there we go, top stuff. The Heineken Man of the Match award, thank you very much. Absolutely, indeed. So as it turns Other out... Other bland continental lagers <laughs> are available. And we will be sipping them beautifully in July well, it's a good job I got my passport renewed. Oh, did you? Nice. Good yes. Enough. Nothing like being a bit overconfident, you know? Well, I needed it for something else. Uh, and then I thought, well, you know, Bucky Thistle don't qualify for Europe, Graham. No, they don't. <laughs> but Aberdeen you know will. Maybe, possibly. Do they serve a sweet pint of Heineken in the London area? <laughs> uh, you bank no, on? Just expensive ones. Fulham are in like the European spots, aren't they? 
yeah, but yeah, I, 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 I feel that Fulham will be, will they be Europa League? Maybe? I, I, I'm waiting for them to like drop out of the Europa League into the conference. How amazing would that be? Dave Cormack versus Tony Khan. White teeth versus white. Actually, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> anyway, on to the young team. Um, a second defeat on the... Just going to say, it's it's very nice to know that uh, Dante and his team were able to put, put good old JR's soccer team to the sword. <laughs> um, slobber knocker. On to the young team. A second defeat on the spin for the young team as they travelled to Edinburgh to take on Hearts on Friday afternoon. Alfie Babbage, obviously part of the first team squad in Dingwall on Friday night, so he had to miss out on this one. Don's though off to a good start after just five minutes through Liam Harvey after he finished well from good work by Brendan Hamilton. But the lead was short-lived, Hearts equalising just six minutes later. The Don's then taking the lead again on 42 minutes, a well-worked free kick, seeing the ball land at Cammy Wilson's head and he nodded home from close range. But the young team repeated the same mistake from earlier on. Couldn't keep the lead at halftime. Duncan for the home side firing home to send the teams in level at 2-2. Hearts then taking the lead in the early doors in the second half. Mackenzie Ross firing home a first-time effort from a corner. Captain Dylan Lobbin hitting the bar for the Dons on our mark before Hearts made it 4-2 with Ross scoring again. But credit to Scott Anderson's side. Didn't throw in the towel. Lewis Perry pulling a goal back with 10 minutes remaining, but it was too little too late. Despite incessant pressure, the Dons couldn't quite force an equaliser. Next up is the visit of Hamilton Ackies to Cormac Park. And speaking of Hamilton Ackies... On the women's team, over 400 fans in attendance at the Balmoral on Sunday afternoon. Uh, a big round of applause to Mark Gordon for slipping into everyone's DMs earlier in the week to bolster the support for this one. As the Quines look to take their chance to ease concerns over our potential relegation playoff spot, three changes to the starting lineup from last time out. Maya Christie and Hannah Stewart dropping to the bench with Donna Patterson missing out altogether. Chloe Gover, Bailey Collins and Francesco Ogilvie all coming back in the starting eleven, And after a dominant first half display, the Quines finally got the breakthrough that they had played deserved in 39 minutes. A great bit of football down the right flank through Lauren Campbell and Bailey Collins saw Ogilvy released and her crossball was met by Hutchison. Flush on the forehead for her ninth goal of the campaign. The Dons nearly making it two just before the interval. Hutchison setting up Ogilvy, but her shot was tipped over well by Nicholson. Halftime 1-0 to Aberdeen. The Dons then starting the second half in the same vein as they introduced Maya Christie and Emma Thompson for Collins and Ogilvy, and it didn't take long for Thompson to make her mark. Hutchison racing onto a cleanup from Christie. She fed Thompson to prod home her first goal of the season with her very first touch of the game. And with 15 minutes to go, it's good to see that, you know, the Aberdeen way just permeates its way right the way through the system. Having been well in control of the Dons, conceding from a corner as Coakley rose highest to head home for Ackies. But the Quines did see it out. 2-1, a massive three points as they now move five points clear of Aki's in the relegation playoff spot. So, that'll do this half, I think. Nice and concise. Indeed. Join us on the other side for the next instalment of Jeff's Music Corner and the return of Listener's Corner. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. And with May Day fast approaching, join the gang for the biggest day in Siberia's yearly calendar on Sunday the 30th of April from midday. Featuring music from Home Alone, All Night Passion and much, much more.
Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Now, before we move on to Listener's Corner, just a quick shout out to those of you who continue to make your contributions to the ABZ FP Beer and Coffee Fund this week. First up, Jonathan Quinnell. Jonathan. Muttonman 1983. Mutton. And Lard Lard Fan 1. Hope that's not his real name. Hope not. To Mr. and Mrs. Lard Fan. A son. Lard. Absolutely. Um, and I think Jonathan messaged us. Uh, he did. It, it is the same Jonathan Quinnell. I saw Graham looking extremely kind of like baffled there for a minute. It's the same Jonathan Quinnell from, from school. So there we go. That's nice. Synergy. Jeez, that is uh, from way back in the day. That's from the way back machine. Where is he these days? In the States, I think. Hi, Jonathan. Wow. If you would like to contribute to the Beer and Coffee Fund, we say it's Beer and Coffee Fund. It's, it's a lie. It just goes towards the running cost of the podcast, to be honest with you. But there we go. We appreciate it nonetheless. If you'd like to help contribute to it, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast. The link is in the description. It's absolutely, absolutely much appreciated. We'll come to talk about the fundraising stuff next week um, in terms of the Gothenburg thing, because we do need to talk about that because we're nearly there with it. But on the other fundraising side, if you've not seen it yet, we do have an exquisite, hand-signed, fit-by-tweets depiction of Duke's amazing goal at Tanadice. Framed. We've even framed it for you. That costs £2, at the very least. Um, framed and signed, print, by the man himself, available, £10 an entry. Proceeds being split for this one, 50-50, between the Aberdeen FC Community Trust and the Angus MacDonald Foundation. If you want to get involved, please drop us an email, abzfootballpodcast at gmail.com. Get yourself in the draw. Two wonderful um, charities are going to benefit from this, and it is a truly remarkable prize. Not to toot our own horn, but yeah, this is quite something. I I mean, I'm, I'm going in the draw, and if I win it, I'm not. That's it, I'm taking it. <laughs> You're not putting it back in? No, 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 no. We've done that previously, just, you know, topped up with a little bit of our own, our own cheddar. But no, if I win this, I'm taking it. Um, and, the, and the man himself loved it, loved the image. So all the credits in the world go to Keith at Fit by Tweets as well. It is truly an opportunity to get your hands on a, I was going to say once in a lifetime, one-off. It might not be, because somebody else might get one of these signed by him at some point. But it's a great chance to get it. The print itself is worth more than 10 quid anyway. So fire in. Money goes to the FC Community Trust or to the Angus McDonald Foundation. Get involved. Hit us up. Anyway, Jess Music Corner. This week, Graham, your shout this week. And you have selected. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, have selected... Graham. Hiya, how you doing? <laughs> I have selected Ebony's Are Good by The Shaman Here we go, Banger Central Released 24th of August 1992 Entered the UK charts On the 5th of September at number 64 Then rising, like the phoenix from the ashes To number 1 Stayed there for 4 weeks So, what were the dons up to in August, September 1992? Because we have a bit of a gap we have to fill here Because it's not just the one week as we normally talk about Well, on the week of the release The dons with a 4-1 win at Falkirk in the League Cup quarterfinal, that's a first Don's hat trick for Duncan Shearer in that one. And that was then followed up by a defeat at Rangers, a nil-nil draw with Airdrie, and then a 1-0 defeat by Hearts, as Willie Miller's first full season in charge got off to an inauspicious start, so shall we say. But of course, it did end up being a pretty memorable one in the long run. So, easy peasy, lemon squeezy to get this one back to Aberdeen FC. The Shaman, obviously, one of, if not the most well-known bands to come out of the Granite City. So we don't have to try too hard to get them back to the Dons. Thanks, Graham. It meant I wasn't having to try and scour. No, no, just making life easy for you this one time. Did I tell you when I looked for the Andrew WK one for Party Hard, his brother is, uh, or maybe not anymore, but was a PGA Tour golfer. Like on I the actual PGA Tour. Did not know that. 
Because for a while I thought to myself, if he was like semi-decent, he might have played alongside Paul Laurie at a major. And I thought that might have been the way to get back to Aberdeen. Okay. And it turned out they missed each other by a year. So I was really, because I was like, that would be the obvious way. Some top sleuthing. It was. And I can't remember. How, how did we get Parry Hard back to Aberdeen? Uh, um, that is remember. one for the listeners to tell us, because I cannot remember. Was it walk-on music for somebody? You did relate it to walk-on music for a guy that Darts player, Coventry. Yeah, and then, yeah, he supported Coventry City, and that was it. We got back down that one. That was it. There we go. Anyway, anyway, Gav, this is before your time a little bit. I'm just trying to imagine that if this guy Andrew WK's brother was good at golf, that Andrew WK could have carried for him. Possibly. That would be quite a spectacle. Yes, well, just blood teeming down <laughs> his forehead and the yeah, white, yeah, yeah, like like, like white the white overalls at the Masters. Yeah, like the Sandman, he like busts himself open with a beer at the beginning of the, the <laughs> round, and then just you know stares at people the entire time well because andrew wk did like to just wear all white didn't he yes and i think basically looking at like videos i think he had like the one outfit that he just wore through an entire tour because it got yeah. quite uh grubby quite early so maybe he had been a caddy then maybe at the masters and his backup option was being andrew wk possibly who knows there we go anyway um gav this one's before your time a little bit but your your thoughts oh i, I know it it's um yeah oh, it's, I, it's, I know it it's an absolute jam. It is a jam. It's it? an absolute jam. It's not quite the same, you know, energy pounding guitar track that we've had recently, but uh, yeah, love it. I don't think you can't say this is energy pounding, Gav. No, it doesn't have guitars. You okay, need, to follow, need to follow the entire thread there. Right? Sorry, just wanted to clarify that one there for a minute. Um, there we go. Anyway, right. That's that one done. We'll add that to the playlist. Now, as I, I've written here, we're going to quickly open the floodgates. But that doesn't happen on this podcast. We all know that. So we're going to open the floodgates to our loyal ABZFP listeners in the solar system. We asked you what you want us to talk about tonight. So are you boys ready? Strap yourselves in. Ready, willing, and gable. <laughs> Graham looks thrilled by this. You ready? Okay, Graham, they're all yes or no questions. Don't worry. They're not all yes or no questions at all. Multiple, multiple choice. We're making them yes or no. <laughs> right, Dave McLennan at D McLe1983. Why do Ross County play Real American? And what the context is, and he said that they seem to be playing it just before the teams come on Friday. So there's no American player in the Ross County squad. So I can only assume it's just because they think it's a jam. I, I I did hear it on the on the TV coverage, um, and I wasn't really sure if they maybe did have an American player or if there's something to do with the ownership or or whatever. But um, it might just be that you know what better way to psych up your players than and Hulk Hogan's theme music. Who? What? Was that? Work, worked for him at the Silver Dome. It did. Maybe did. that's just like current music in Dingwall. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's not in his WCW run yet. Um, amazing. There we go. Okay, Paul Ramsey at PDRAM. Our three best defenders are creative midfield spark and our captain are all low knees. What's the summer master plan for the Dons? It's a very good question. Paul seems to think we're Stephen Gunn. Uh, get a new manager, get an entire new squad and see how that plays out. <laughs> Try and get some dirt on the current players so that we can blackmail them into staying. That's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be sleuthing. Uh, sleuthing. I'm going to get Gary to do his sleuthing on the internet and or the clubs of Aberdeen with his camera. <laughs> see if he can get something on these boys. Maybe that's what the Matty Paul at Keith thing's all about. Well, whatever it takes to keep him here, that's fine. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, I mean, Angus always is obviously here on a short-term contract. I would like to think that he's done enough to potentially earn a longer term. I would sign him up. So, somewhere else. 
I'd like to, I would sign him if I could. Uh, Shinny, you know, Wigan are all kinds of shit and all kinds of fucked. So it was probably an opportunity to get him back. Robson in midweek was talking up Paddy Mislovich and the, what he's doing in training. So maybe we might take him up on that uh, <laughs> on that offer. And then when it comes to Leighton Clarkson and Matty Pollock, then, I mean, hopefully like, we can just find like a treasure chest buried at Connacht Park. He has said that our three best defenders are loanees. That's obviously a factually inaccurate because he's he's not factoring in Anthony Stewart there. Never mind. Um, best. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, Neil Davidson at Neil Dav eighty eight. Realistically, we're not getting through the summer with Duke and Miofsky still in the books. If you only get to keep one, who do you pick? We're going to get in trouble here. There was this guy... I'm not going to say anything because I've been accused of being too negative with regards to Bioski <laughs> and Duke. Yeah. What no, I will are... say, though, just for the record, if there are any agents or prospective clubs basing their summer recruitment on what I say, <laughs> I do just want my finder's fee. <laughs> 5% will do. Just putting out there. I didn't understand that this week. We're, you probably won't have seen it, Graham, because you obviously you don't do the twits. But um, there was a guy complaining that we were like listening to a Daily Record podcast because it sounded like we were trying to sell Duke Miofsky. <laughs> that was pretty much my reaction to it as well. Uh, anyway, let's go back to the question. If we could only keep one, who would you keep? It's like it's like Sophie's choice here, isn't it? Yeah, it's like it's like having to choose your favorite child. You know who it is, but you just don't want to say it out loud. <laughs> The dog, the dog. <laughs> in case the cat um yeah but Kirsten knows that i've just realized this is probably going to live on the internet forever isn't it so there's a good chance my kids will both hear that at some point anyway daddy loves you both equally but just to go more on the record <laughs> on the record there we go um it's really hard <laughs> it's a really hard question all right i'm gonna say it. it's gonna be duke right I, I think Boyan obviously is a really, really good player. I think he gets a lot of unfair stick, but there's the character element about Duke. And he's got Durag. And the Durag's funny as fuck. So it's Duke every day of the week. Copa Mundials, the old school throwback. Uh, it's Duke. Duke. And Duke's more of a. Duke can win a game by himself. I think Miofsky needs. He's been sensible, Gavin. Just the Durag. Jason Hill. Jason Hill, if you're listening, you need to get. Duke rags in the in the club shop. If I see you going around wearing a do rag, an Aberdeen branded do rag, then that is that'd be quite the look. That is us done. <laughs> that'll be Graham. cause. That'll be cause for termination. Uh, I'll yeah, gun to my head, Duke. Yeah, I'll keep, Duke could be my guy. I would say there's not enough information to answer that question because you need to know the context of what style we're looking to play. Oh, Graham. Oh, brother. What? Anyway, um, like this one, Bob. Uh, <laughs> Bob just seems like a. F- Sorry, Bob. I don't mean laugh, but just as a handle, just amuses me. At uh, Bob M nineteen ninety six, a random one, but we're all about the random questions. We don't want serious ones here. Um, what was the first interaction you guys ever had with a Don's player? <laughs> I served Jim late in his dinner when I was a waiter. The man loves a beef olive. I don't know if that's a euphemism. <laughs> Is it just me or are beef olives like the least appetizing looking dish that have probably ever been served up in humanity? Um, <laughs> just picture a beef olive on your plate right now and just tell me what you see. Yeah, It's not appetizing, but 
tasty. It's not as daft as that stupid picture you sent us last week of going to a restaurant and eating your curry out of a fucking wok. <laughs> I had to say the Gav, because Gav's got the whole thing about food not getting served in plates. And as soon as, as, soon as it got put in front of me, I was like, you know, the wife's absolutely hating me. Like, I, need to send that... this. I need to send this to the boys because it's funny. She's just hating life. Um, you know what? That didn't come close to triggering me because at least that's in a place where food belongs. <laughs> if you'd sent it to us like in a shoe, then that would have been like a different, different ballgame. Fair. Fair, right. Um, what was the question again? What was your first interaction with an Aberdeen player? Um, not my first interaction, but I do remember going through to the back of... Careful. Back back in the day when I used to work at a, a supermarket that are emblazoned with the colours of green and white, I did once look, go through the back to check we had a toaster for Josh McGuinness. What was he doing? His knob in it or something? That sounds like classic Josh McGuinness, to be fair. That's why Gavin had to take him through the back because he wanted to test it. Is that, is, that, is that why he asked me if we could find the matching kettle? Um, uh, Josh was just Josh was just joshing about, you know, being being Josh McGinnis. It's not the same, but I remember seeing Josh McGinnis at the time um, try to pay for a cinema ticket at Cineworld in Union Square and his card being declined. Mm, that's not a good look. So that was up there with the time I saw Fernando Pascanelli raking around the bargain bins section of JD Sports. JGB Sports, the old JG Sports of Kitty Brewster. When he was a first team player at Aberdeen. Speaking of Fernando Pascanelli, guess who we're talking to tomorrow night? It's going to be interesting. Yes, I'll maybe ask him about that. Never mind. Uh, so, Gav, yeah, not the first, wait, wait, but you're just going to ask him how ask him how much he was making at Aberdeen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Why were these the lengths you had to go to to get a football attire? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, right, so Gav, yours is not the first interaction, but Sir Josh McGinnis a toaster, amazing. Yeah. Oh, we didn't have we didn't have it either. Only had, the, specific... only, only had the display one and uh, we were still selling it so you couldn't have it. How? What do you mean you were selling it so you couldn't have it? What? As in like, as in like, it was still an active item within our stock list so we couldn't sell the display one. Oh, because then people would walk past an empty space on the shelf and not impulse buy a toaster. Oh, it's basically because we were too lazy to like get the new stock in and unpack one and then put that one on display. So there's an insight into your former employer. That's, that is, that's, that's, that's life of retail. There we go. Graham? I think, well, the one, one of the ones that earlier ones I can remember is when Michael Hart called me mate. <laughs> yeah, he sat next to the the poker night. Yeah. What was that poker night all about now I think about it? We had a brief affiliation with, was it, uh, I want to say an orphanage in South Africa. Remember we did a pre-season yes. two there? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were there in their first incarnation as well, I think. Uh, anyway, we were there in South Africa, sort of pre-season tournament type thing because did we play them anyway it doesn't matter um and we were having a sort of was it poker race night type thing and i believe the funds were for that ah. and there was a few first team players at the yeah uh, yeah because i don't uh, it exists in the ether somewhere not on my current phone there was a picture of i think me michael clark no chris clark michael, <laughs> michael hart and Seve and maybe Russell Anderson. That sounds about right. I remember you mentioning Russell Anderson. I think you had his top at the time, like with his with his name on the back. It was a yes, big which I had to wait about. I think I've said this before. I had to wait about two weeks to get it because they ran out of something stupid like S's. I got his name in the back. One of the <laughs> first times I ever got a name in the back, and you go into the shop, shirt. Yeah, would you like a printed jip? Can I get Anderson for? Oh yeah, that'd be a couple of weeks. Why? Because we don't have any S's. 
<laughs> that was an amazing kind of time, like that preseason tour of South Africa. So I remember like all the chat on Don's Talker, Aberdeen, Mad, or whatever that we were going to, that was all about creating a link up with a club in South Africa. And then we were going to, I should say, I've got it in my head at South Africa. I'm sure someone smarter than me will correct us. It was. It, no def- it definitely was. Um, yeah. Was it like Jomo something? I can't Jomo's. remember what club. We were going to be like a serve. They were almost going to serve as a feeder club. We were going to take all these players from Africa. Because we're not to... linked with the, there was like a, Zam- was a Zambian player. Chris, a... Katong- Chris Katongo. Chris Katongo. There we go. That's it. It was we went right on around, to be pretty tidy. Yeah. It was right around the time of the African Nations. Well, not right around, but the African Nations was like the next January. Mm-hmm. And we were all like glued to our screens watching Chris Katongo. And lo and behold, nothing came. But, and instead, we just signed players like um, Lubomir Blaha. Yeah, indeed. Um, okay. Um, first interaction. See, my first interactions with Don Spurs would be really, really boring. It'd be like boys from the late 80s, like Theo and Ian Jess, not, and they were brilliant. Um, Ian Jess once Gavi remember this was was once married to um somebody whose family lived on our street so there was the occasional game of Kirby in our street when we were growing up with the Port Pelly. Um my favourite interaction with an Aberdeen player is definitely Darren Mackey. No, two. Darren Mackey um in Tesco, Bridget Dawn, not long after a game had finished, just basically it, it felt to me like he was following me around the store. Not sure it was the other way around. But his basket was just packed with um pop tarts and sweets and then he ordered 20 lambert and butler at the end of the night so at the end of the the, the wee fag counter bit so that was a, a good insight into the diet of a professional footballer and the other one was um in a professional capacity i had to deal with um ricky foster on something and richard f- foster I, well this is what i'm gonna get to it because i think my profession dictates i can't give you the full details of it but when he came in, I was like, oh, Ricky, nice to meet you. And I shook his hand and he looked at me straight in the eye and said, I think you'll find it's Richard. Thank you. And that was the end of that. So there we go. I think probably those ones. Um, the beef olive for Jim Layton is really just... <laughs> I love this man loves a beef olive. I'd like to know how many... Bob, when you listen to this, how do you know he loves a beef olive? Like, because this makes it sound as though that this has happened on several occasions and he just kept on coming back. And had maybe, maybe he was just like a caged animal when it arrived. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter. You'd say I was uh, played around golf with Jim Layton. I say like it was, you know, I'm some sort of celebrity years ago, and he signed up. Oh, Graham, you're a celebrity. Graham, you're a celebrity. No, because he signed up. The it was the night before, and I got a text from my playing partner going, "Oh, you'll never guess who signed up next to us." And then I looked at him. Like, you want to speak to him, but you don't need the pressure of playing the golf in front of Jim Layton. How was he nice. golfing? How was he um, golfing? Must have smell of beef olives from his bag. <laughs> but aside from that, <laughs> he was he was he was fine and he was very he was very pleasant. Meanwhile, any time like Jim Layton's lining up a shot, Graham just comes into your whispers, Rod Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was he was uh, he was very actually he was very down to earth and humble because he introduced himself and he wasn't you know you maybe think everyone's going to know who he is. But he certainly didn't have anything like that about him. He was just normal, which is not intended to be a criticism. Was this Did after? He, was this after he'd finished with Aberdeen? Yes. So, like after McInnes, dubbed him. <laughs> yes, I would say so. Did he have anything to say about Mark McGee? No. He can make it up if you want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I forget which legal wording I'm supposed to use before I <laughs> make up stuff. So let's just let's just move on. 
Okay. Did he stop at the halfway house for a beef olive, though? That's the important question we all want to know. Well, there is no halfway house. This is what says bag was full of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> They've ruined what was already a bad joke. How did he play with beef olives? That's quite a... Anyway. <sighs> uh, McD At John McD 02983 and then the numbers trail off. I can't see it. Well, here's a deep question. This is not about Jim Layton and beef olives. Um... <laughs> has fucking hell has VAR improved right versus wrong decisions or not no is it worth it even if it has and no. should it be binned or get more investment yes and then, no and then should refs including McDee's going fucking he's taking this piss here with a number of questions should refs including VAR officials then have to explain big decisions post game so let's break that down has VAR improved right versus wrong decisions or not no no, <laughs> as I said on Friday, it's actually given our officials more opportunities to fuck up. Graham, has VAR improved right versus wrong decisions or not? Question one. I don't think so, but fundamentally, VAR wasn't going to change anything because you've still got the same people interpreting it. <laughs> yeah, no. And yeah, this that's 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 not unique to Scottish football. No, 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 it's not. Well, but right, is it though? Right, because I was going to come on to this because then if we'd said <laughs> yes, which I don't think anyone is, um. So this gets you the second question. Should it be binned or should there be more investment in it? There should be it more sh- investment. It should be binned. <laughs> yeah, I love it. No, if you're going like to do it, do it properly. Because like yeah. the example on Friday with this stupid, there's no not enough camera <laughs> angles to determine if it's... Off. Like <laughs> if you're going to do it, you've got to have all the, the kit and the angles to give the people the tools to do their job. Now, you're obviously not going to agree with every decision, but if they've got all the tools to do their job, this might be naivety, but you hope more correct decisions will be made. If you give them half the kit, then I don't really know why we're sitting here moaning because they don't have the full picture. Literally, in some cases. Literally. <laughs> this thing's, it's, it's, it's honestly like, you can see the teething problems that England had with VAR last season. And it feels, I don't watch a lot of English football, but it feels to me that they've probably improved their utilisation of VAR this season. It feels like they've improved the way it should be used. I do feel that a lot of countries should probably look at the way that Germany uses VAR, which seems like they've kind of got it pretty much spot on. Like much things um, in the world, to be fair, you just look at Germany and how they do it. Um, but it's that classic Scottish thing we've done, isn't it? We've implemented this midway through a season um, and we've taken, and don't get me wrong, I enjoy a wee ramming up the Aldi middle aisle, right? But it does feel like we've picked up the Aldi middle aisle version of VAR and then you've given it to the idiots that we have to use. And it's just an absolute shit show. If, it, if it's going to continue to be run and operate the way it is in the moment, it needs to get in the bin. Which is why I think we should put the investment and do it properly. But I take your point. There's, there's halfway houses. Where's that money coming from? Well, but therein lies the problem. What was the point of implementing in the first place if we know we've got no money? Exactly. What was the point of implementing it halfway through a season? That's just crazy. <laughs> I'd actually forgotten all about that. That is just absolute lunacy. Having said all this, we're taking the piss, but maybe this is a marketing ploy from your man Doncaster to keep the cinch the cinch. The man works in mysterious ways. People are talking about it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Guys, what can we do? Right? Let's keep the banter league thing up. Yeah. Yeah. Next week we will literally see just MS paint lines drawn on. Offside decisions taken from 45 degree angles. <laughs> I love it. It's it's just I say I love it. It's madness. It's absolute fucking madness. 
100% in this country especially it's not done anything as far as I'm concerned to improve the decision making <laughs> and all it's done is for me it's just taken my ability to celebrate a goal because all I, I just have to sit and wait for a fucking jackass with his Madonna mic to <laughs> wait and see if uh, this needs to be referred for something the best thing as well about the game on Friday night was that the stadium Tannoy announcer and Sky Sports knew the VAR outcome before the referee did and yes if they can take our officials along to wherever they train these days and teach them how to draw a rectangle in the air, that would also be beneficial. Rather it sounds like some... take them to like click nursery? Well, possibly. Is rather these are the... your shapes? Rather than the quadrangle that the idiot on Friday night was drawing. Anyway, there we go. And final question, should refs, including the VAR officials, have to explain big decisions post-game? Yes, they should. I think they should. But yes, yes. I mean, I've, I think uh, a lot of people have been wanting that for a long time. This isn't, you know, a VAR issue i think they should where they are they're a part of the game some like to make themselves a part of the game others you know not so much but by sort of the outcome of their decisions they become a part of the game so yeah i think they should i don't think it would necessarily i originally thought it might help you know someone explained that i might see their point and you're like well okay and in some cases maybe you would change a tune you might understand it but i guess fundamentally if you feel aggrieved it doesn't really matter how they package it up you're probably still going to be fed up but for some for some things it might genuinely make a difference yeah um, i wouldn't go along with like i've often heard in the past that refs should be mic'd up during the game a la like rugby or like american football and they explain their decisions on the field that would be go, funny i would not go for that because there's enough jackasses in scottish football who are like love being the center of attention as it is give them a mic and like an open platform gonna get even worse but uh it doesn't even need <laughs> you're to be you're talking to three idiots with mics and open platforms gavin right here that's offensive to Gavin and I. But it doesn't even need to be like on TV after the game. If it was even just like a written explanation of things after the game from the referees, I'd be, I would take that. I would love to hear it though, because it was not Andy Walker. And again, you take this with a pinch of salt, but he was saying that because Sky can listen in to the VAR conversations. And apparently in a game a few weeks ago that Sky were covering, he didn't tell us who the ref was or what game it was. But apparently the VAR and the referee were basically saying, there was something along the lines of, let's just hope this is offside because that gets us out of this. Or like this gets us out of having to make a decision on this thing because if it's offside, then we can just say it was offside. And it's like, I'd love to hear this shit going on like in real time. It'd be hilarious. It's been terrible. I enjoyed it immensely the first night we had it in the Hibs game. That yes, was funny. Yes, because we basically benefited from the whole thing, yeah. All of it was amazing that night. Since then, it's been absolutely terrible. Anyway, let's move on from that one. Matthew Inkster at Matt Inkster. Do we attempt to sign... Liam Scales in the summer is question one. Weighed a lot on Liam Scales this season. If I'm kind of going to revert to Graham's previous answer about Duke and Miofsky, because it largely depends on the manager and the system we play next year. If we yeah, go with a back, it shouldn't though. It shouldn't. <laughs> because of the philosophy. I um, wish we do I wish we did this on video sometimes. I really do. If we go into next season, cast iron guarantee back three, Liam Scales, left side of a back three. Yes. If we go into next season with a back four, Liam Scales, left side of centre back, eh, less keen. I'm undecided. Uh, setting aside the, uh, you know, the formation, I feel like because he's coming from Celtic, he'll be expensive. And yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. Oh, that, that's my take. They'll, I, I feel like they'll make it difficult. <clears throat> so I imagine he would be expensive. And as much as he's had, ups and downs overall i think he's 
decent, especially in the current setup where it seems to be, you know, more uh, his his role and his um, his position. But I feel like there's probably similar players out there for less. So given the fact that we are going to, I think we've got quite a bit of work to do in the summer and we're not going to have a huge transfer fee. Because even though I know we're talking about some of the guys might get sold for money, the club's not in great shape financially. So it's not like that's all coming back. Unless we get down to group stage football. That, that's potentially five, well, that six, might be a bit of, a, of, of If you got something like that and that did really Cormac, change things. Cormac coins to play then, with. So. Then I probably would. TV dollars. I probably would be okay with it, but with the caveat that we we have to be playing the way we have because he's been much better recently in a in a setup that seems to suit him. He's well, last three, four or five games, he's been very, very good. But yeah, it would yeah. depend on the system. Yeah, okay. And his second question was: Can we get Clarkson for another season? Or no. do you think he's off to Nottingham Forest esque club? I'd be truly shocked if we could get him. Yeah, I would be delighted. If we could, but I think you're probably right. They'll they'll cash in or he'll go on loan to championship. There does seem a bit of dubiety about when Clarkson's deal at Liverpool expires. I don't think it's very clear anywhere, but when it is up. The only thing I'm holding myself to is that United were able to persuade Dylan Levitt to sign for them permanently. So you just yeah. never know. You might be yeah. able to say to somebody, you know what, you've enjoyed your football here, come and sign for two seasons. And if you have another season like you've had this year, we'll sell you and you can go wherever you want to go. Dylan Levitt, Leighton Clarkson. Yeah, there are Levitts. That was an attempt at levels. <laughs> I'd be um, delighted if he could, if he, yeah, if we could keep him, but I'm not seeing a scenario, unfortunately, where unless he, say he does have a longer term deal at the likes of, uh, at Liverpool and he sort of digs his heels in and says, well, if you're saying I'm not getting to play and I'm going alone, I've enjoyed myself, so that's where I, I want to go. Yeah, but you you know as much as people come out and say they're enjoying themselves, whatever you never really know what they're really thinking. I do think it's been a really good developmental loan for Leighton Clarkson. In fairness, I I think Liverpool, you know, jokes aside about the the standard of Scottish football and all this type of stuff. How many times have we seen players come up from um, under twenty three, especially from under twenty three setups <laughs> down south? They come up here, they think it's going to be a cakewalk. It doesn't work for them. You know, there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of. Um, doubt about Leighton Clarkson's ability when he joined here to do the physical side of the game. You know, he'd had that loan spell at Blackburn and hadn't gone from. And it feels like he's learned off of the back of this. I think I I genuinely think his spell at Aberdeen will really stand him in good stead for his No, I career. agree with I agree with all that. Even just not that this is a reason to do it, but from the whole playing and career point of view, he's experienced a managerial change yeah. during a season as well. You know, that all stands you in good stead for the for the future. I think the last few games I think it was Ross County, for example. You know, he's obviously playing well, but I thought he was stronger, fitter. He was much more involved in the game without the ball, whether that's you know putting in tackles or just covering the ground. Since, I think we've seen that since. You know, yeah. So everything about him is—he looks. He's a much better player in my eyes yeah. than he was when he arrived. So, so you never know. But it just always feels like uh, because he's played for Liverpool, and he's doing well here. Someone in England will have money for him. Um, I, I, Liverpool are getting a better player than the one they sent to us uh, Leighton Clarkson's future does not consist of Colchester and other teams in that league oh where is he where is he it's Ma- the team Mattersfield that, Town no it's the team that are owned by the NFT Mansfield. people Teddy Jenks where is he oh Teddy Jenks is at um, Crawley Town 
There you go, Crawley Town. Anyway, right, let's move on. Leighton Clarkson's future does not include Colchester United and Crawley Town. Okay, next move on. Um, this is a question from Peter Hay, but I think it's... Uh, with all the chat about scouts and Duke, I think it's guaranteed we'll get offers for players in the summer. For a few of the players, below what number would you be raging? Above what number would you be happy? That's a huge question. So let's just put it this way. If it's for Duke, what number would you be happy to accept for him to be sold for? Uh, and apologies five? to whoever it is that thinks we're trying to sell them. Uh, let me just work out a reasonable 5% here. <laughs> 10 million. No, I mean... <laughs> I think I said last week the six million is where I'd start listening. I, I, min, I maintain that stance, but like Graham, I'm not. I'm not sure that we that's realistic. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get anything like that because you never do when you're Aberdeen. But do you, do you not think the Calvin Ramsey deal gives us a bit of precedence now? Does Duke's, it? Duke's, Duke's a more valuable player to a team than Ramsey was. Yeah, but we we're not <laughs> in a strong position if Duke decides he wants to go. True, but he did say during the week he wants to stay. You know? <gasps> No players for ever him. said that. <laughs> this is right. You'll be here forever then. <laughs> Move on. Next question. Next question. Okay, let's go. This is knocking this down is... Dave Cormack's door. Well, his virtual door. <laughs> like lifetime contract, please. Fuck it. Don't even pay me. Yep. Uh, con underscore ninety four at con nine four two. What percentage of our goals have been scored in front of the red shed this season? Does he does he know the answer to that question? I don't know if he does, but I know the answer to this question because I went and crunched the numbers earlier on. So we have scored 36 goals at home this season. 21 of them came in front of the Red Shed, which gives you a percentage of 58%. This is in the league, in the league only. There you go. That's quite a good question, that. What's quite a good question? I like that one. I had to put in the effort for that, which always annoys me. Never mind. That's why I liked it. <laughs> Sean, AFC, THFC at Kintour Dawn. Which of our defenders is getting a red card next week for farting anywhere near Mattress Boy? Matty Pollock. I don't think Matty Pollock's going to have any time for Alfredo Morelos, do you? I can see Matty Pollock be more interested in taking out Todd Cantwell. <laughs> I was going to say McDonald looks like more of a prankster. <laughs> right. I've sent, you both a, I've sent you both a picture. Doug at DougSmart91 has asked us to talk about the weird way that Americans set up their goals. <laughs> it, yeah, I can't yeah, decide if I someone don't... hasn't put the net up properly or if that's actually... <laughs> it looks like they have done it properly because there is the second stanchion. It's very weird. I don't understand that. I don't know. I, I, no idea. Americans have weird attitudes towards sport. They do, they do. Including thinking that a nil-nil draw at home or one-one draw at home to Ross County is an acceptable result. I tell you what, though, that steward in the middle of the picture—you're not wanting to get tackled by him. He's not moving anything quickly, <laughs> Gavin. Come on. If though you trip up when he catches you, ties. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. yeah, good night, Vienna. But yeah, you're right. If you just keep walking, then you're safe. <laughs> I really don't like those goals. Actually, that's quite annoying. It's really upsetting, isn't it? It just. Yeah, it just looks all it looks all wrong. Anyway, right next up, mind mind you, the boy in yellow that's like kind of directly above him. If they were to like square off, that would be a clash of the titans. Yeah, that is a, that is those are contenders for an inaugural episode of Inner City Sumo. <laughs> just draw a chalk circle in a pub car park. Anyway. <laughs> Jamie Heads, at Heads Jamie, how the club would fare in the event we do not get to keep or extend any of the current loan signings or lose some key players, me off Duke, going next season? <laughs> I've got a short answer for that. We're fucked, it, 
<laughs> More fucks than bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it'll be a, a problem. Suboptimal. Less than ideal. You just got to hope that Darren Mowbray and that have been finding more football manager regens. No, we need real players, not um, not not fictional, not fictional footballers. Um, we got done, we got done with that back in Epsco, but time. <laughs> we did, we really did. Um, do you agree? If we can't sort that out, we're kind of fucked. And what was the question? <laughs> How will we fare in the event we do not get to keep or extend any of our current loan signings, or we lose key players, Miofsky or Duke, for example, going into next season? Yeah, that is a serious concern. As much as it's really frustrating because, like, the run we're on. If I don't know, seventy-eight percent of those players were ours, and we're going to be here for next season, be genuine cause for optimism. But there's so much work to be done, and you think maybe a couple of them you might be able to do something with, you know, in terms of like Donald being out of contract, and you know, sort of we've mentioned Pollock having a long-term deal, maybe another year at Aberdeen's not a bad thing for him and Watford. They might all work out, but yeah, so many other guys and so many unknowns. I am quite worried about this summer and also if if we do try and play hardball with buyers over Duke and Miofsky I don't know if that actually works in our favour because we've got quite a lot of rebuilding to do so you kind of want that especially where you're going to fund your funds are going to come from you kind of need that done ASAP if it's going to happen so that you've then got your summer to build your squad if you know if you get to later on in August for example and you've not, you know, I don't know what you, you can't keep waiting till the last minute and then expect to sell them and do all the deals. You know what will happen. We'll sell them and we'll get no one. <laughs> no, 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 Graham. What will happen is we'll sell Duke and Miofsky and then we'll be scrambling around. And Steve Gunn will then make the phone call. Hello? Is Eamon Brophy available? He is. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. What about it's Tony a- Watt? One, there's a lot of good things about having like your digital season ticket. With the olden days, we'll chuck something on the pitch and or snap your card in anger. It's not <laughs> quite the same when you can't snap your digital season ticket if him Brophy turns up, is it? Right. Can you actually yeah. imagine? Actually, no, let's not. Let's not, let's not, let's not go there. Uh, Ian Stewart asks us to, about getting the VAR. We've already done that. Uh, McLean at Dandy, Dandy Mac 99 Should have lumped some of our transfer budget for next season go into new contracts for Duke and McDonald? I, I 100% would keep McDonald for sure. And if we could get Duke to sign a contract extension, increase his value, then I'd be happy. But I wouldn't also prioritize it necessarily over the rebuild of the squad. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think like I think we've got lucky. I don't say lucky with Duke. I think we've got fortunate that Duke's developed as quickly as he has done. And there's almost an element above, and I'm sorry if this sounds like we're trying to sell him again. If a club comes in with a, a silly offer for him, he does have two years left in his deal this year, so it's kind of almost the prime time to sell him. Um, so then it's that way up, isn't it, about where, are you going to get better than the deal you get potentially in the summer this year for him? Unless you can persuade him to sign a new deal, even just a, a year's extension on better sal- a better salary, you say to him, look, stay hopefully for a year. You'll play European football up until Christmas at minimum. That puts you in a completely different shop window as well. Maybe that maybe that helps persuade someone to stay. If you chuck an extra couple of do-rags in his pay packet on a weekly basis, you just never know, do you? Anyway, let's see. Um, dot dash at Hulk Agraniac. Good name. He'd like to know about Horter. Have the toys been chucked? I have no idea what's going on with the G Horter thing. Um, he did post something... <laughs> Love players posting cryptic shit on social media. He did post something about 
odd on um, Instagram a couple of nights ago, which I'm not sure about. And I kind of don't think we necessarily need to go down that avenue right now. It did seem a bit odd he wasn't involved on Friday night. I don't know if there's something else going on there. I don't know if it was a case of toys being chucked. I think there might be something else happening there. Let's see what happens there. But also, who was is... Was it a biting lip emoji? No, it wasn't Greg Halford. Um, and it wasn't somebody else who enjoyed social media posting about stuff. Um, Does he appear to be okay? Until he didn't. Yeah, I think so. I'll, I'll share it with you guys and you can see it. No, no, uh, it's because it's none of my business. Yeah, yeah. New country and all the rest of it. Anyway, uh, all I would say is, you know, if he has, that'd be disappointing. And if he's not in the squad for other reasons, hopefully those reasons get sorted out. Yeah, I think, I think, exactly. I think jokes aside, it does sound like he's been left alone by Ajax. That's what you I said. Remember you saying and, that, which you know, is pretty shabby. Obviously, kind of being, kind of outside looking, kind of bombed out of the Aberdeen team. I'm sure it's a pretty disappointing way this is all turned out from. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, on a slightly lighter note, yeah, he did also ask who is Aberdeen's cringiest content regurgitator on Twitter. It's surely Cheedy, which I feel is very harsh when at Freedom Quali. That's very harsh. Um, oh, it does. It's 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 us or it's people who do people who do like schedule tweets on a yearly basis of exactly the same thing. No, it's people who try and write songs. Yeah, okay. They're all it's people who try and write songs to the tune of that that fucker, um, Jerry Cinnamon. Ah, oh, awful. Anyway. Trying to make that a thing. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Don't, Not don't stop it. that. Uh, Grant he says, even for him, this is one of his worst takes, and he quotes you and Cameron. Um, this is from the 18th of January 2023 when at halftime it was Hearts 4, Aberdeen 0. No. Hearts running riot were easily the best of the rest. Over a 38-game season were far too good for anyone else. As for Aberdeen, they're back in hibernation until they play Rangers on April 22nd. Well, uh, all I can say to you is I'm glad we're coming out of hibernation to be five points clear of easily the best of the rest. Ah, uh, that, that old chestnut. The old, we only raise our game for Rangers who yeah. we never fucking beat. Will I ever get to stand in the new stadium before I die? I'm waiting patiently, said PKW at PKW21. Unless he's tweeting from the womb, no. <laughs> when, <laughs> yeah, when does he plan on dying? Uh, there we go. Ali if, it's, if it's within the next 30 years, then no. At uh, Sorry, Ali Corbett at Corbett Ali. Who's going down this year? Oh, it's, 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 it's such, a, such a hard situation to predict because I mean, there's, I think there's four teams in it now. For show, um, <laughs> my prediction are not going down. Motherwell have turned it around with with Stuart Kettlewell and Kevin Van Veen hitting peak Kevin Van Veen form. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna say that St Johnson are on a slippery slope that they I, I don't see them coming back from. Yeah, St Johnson. Then. I think Their United is disgusting. I think, I think United have picked up some results, um, even when they've been losing recently. Haven't been has been so bad. I enjoyed that Jim decided that a priority was making Dundee look fitter. Given that he's made, given that his Aberdeen team looked fucking horrendously unfit. Never speaks, mind. Speaks volume of what Jack Rots was doing then. Um, <laughs> if anything, it, if anything, it shows we made the right decision. Um, Kilmarnock's home form, I think, will still probably just have a bit enough. I think Kilmarnock will have to be absolutely destroyed by Smeltic. <laughs> by Smeltic. Uh, um, but yeah, to be fair though, they people. they are not alone in that this year. Uh, I think Kilmarnock will finish in the eleventh but they'll survive the playoffs. So I think it all should be St. Johnston go down automatically. The only thing I was saying that, they're on 32 points. Dundee United and Kelly are on 28 and Ross County on 27. So there is a bit of work to be done for them to end up bottom or 11th. As in, the other teams have to be picking up 
points and their you know their form I guess there's time for someone to turn it around but it may not seem like that many points but it's not inconceivable that mind somewhere all those teams are just gonna yeah mind that season stumble that, over the finishing line mind the season hearts finished bottom because they got the points deduction and hibs were which like which one oh that one sorry okay and so hibs were like so often, we're safe to tell. and then they were safe and they were still safe and then it was like oh wait a minute no we're fucked mm. that's where i see st johnson's season going so what stevie stevie may is not going to turn around for them so you mean playoffs then no worse yet though they'll still oh, they'll okay, go okay, to right. 12th place see i think i think the one thing i would say is ross county's ross county don't score goals well not when they come up against the hounds of defense <laughs> but they just they, they just don't score goals full stop and that's a massive problem for them same for kamarnik i i wouldn't be surprised to see somehow the bottom two remain the way the way they are i think you're right i think it's a shootout between the bottom four like it'll be interesting what happens with motherwell and then whoever it is that finishes in seventh spot the split because livy at the moment and motherwell have got nothing to play for after the split like literally fuck all so it'll be interesting what they do how very dare you they could finish bottom of the what is it best of the rest no that's best hearts. of the worst um and then yeah who knows i, I don't know it's hard to tell i i, I also think come on like perth saints perth saints if you could pick who would you ideally want to go down that, out of that list Marnick purely because it's an arse end of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and the pies aren't as good as they think they are. Correct. St. Johnston. But you're not, you're neither of you picking a second team to go down. Oh, yeah. Uh, if Kilmarnock could go down through the playoffs. Actually, no, fuck it, Ross County. <laughs> I want to see United and St. Johnston go down. No, no, can three go down? No, three can't go down. I want to see United and Kilmarnock go. I want to turn the playoff into a triple threat. I want, to, I want to see nah, yeah. I want to see Kamarnik go down automatically. I want to see United go down via playoff against Dundee for the absolute lols. There we go. I have a feeling United are gonna be okay. Yeah, I think they're gonna be alright as well now, actually. Um we're nearly there. We're nearly there. Sean Wilson, you mentioned him last week. Prime Brian Grant or Prime Graham Shinney? Uh never saw Brian Grant, so I have to say Graham Shinney. I would have to say Shinney for the same reason. Okay, so it puts me in the awkward position of being the only one who can remember either of them. I see my problem here is I they're not they're not the same player. That this it's not really comparing apples with apples. Um Brian Grant probably contributed more creatively to a certain extent than Shinny scored more goals than Shinny does. I really, really, really that's hard. I really, really, really rated Brian Grant as a player. I think he was often overlooked. Um I'm gonna edge just And you're gonna overlook him again. I'm going to overlook him again. Story of this poor guy's life. I'm going to take him shinny. Well, you know what? Overlook because people like Gary just don't rate him. You know what? No, you know what? We've asked we've asked Brian on the show now two or three times and he's said no. So we'll, <laughs> we'll hold that against him. So for pure pettiness. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, Captain Dandy at Stevie G1978. Who's the better player we've had from our feeder club Watford? Is it Tommy Hoban or Matthew Pollock? Oh, oh. That's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. Um, as in, when it comes to being from Watford, we've you have to remember, like Tommy Hoban's time in his initial loan spell was cut very short. Mm-hmm. Um, he did look like a class act, but I think that Matty Pollock had a bigger impact. It's like Tommy Hoban came into a reasonably solid defensive team and just kind of continued that uh, that vein of form. Matty Pollock's made a huge difference to um, how 
much more difficult we are to score against. Um, and he could serve, he could save the world from an asteroid. It's Matty Pollock. Speaking of um, good defenders, I just noticed. I just noticed that Angus McDonald just followed us on Twitter, so um, we probably better be polite about Angus now going forward on Twitter. We've always been polite. Well, we have. What, what, what have you been saying about Angus McDonald on Twitter? I haven't said yeah. anything. I haven't said anything yet. The keyword there's yet. Um. Anyway, uh, I'd you say did Paul. say that Alexandra Burke thought he was a dick. <laughs> yeah. Well, and did seem to that. take her side in that uh, discussion. I, I, no, I don't want to get to anyone's side. I was just merely back when you were saying that he was from the lower English league, so he's probably going to be shit. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes we all have to hold our hands up and say we were wrong. Yeah, maybe she's a twat. <laughs> right. <laughs> Again, this is the moment where I wish we had extreme response. <laughs> Graham was just like recoil. Slightly unnecessary response. Did we all agree on Matty Pollock? Although Tommy Hoban's a top guy, lovely bloke. But we hope it is a top guy and a guy whose career was cut short yeah. and it was a real shame how that played out. But I think Matty Pollock's made a bigger impact. Yeah, and actually for new listeners, because we know we've got loads of them, we did a, a cracking interview with Tommy Hoban way back when it's in the archives. Go and find it. It's a really, really good listen. It's a really good insight into players having to deal with, you know, injury, long-term injury, how that affects them on a mental level and the physical kind of torture of it, trying to get back playing and everything. Really, 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 really good guy, my, uh, Tommy Hoban. And also gave my a glowing review about Aberdeen Football Club as well, helped persuade him come to Aberdeen. So, you know, top, top man is Tommy Hoban. Anyway, the question there from Scott Shields about Percy with Duncan in the middle. We, we already touched on this, I think, earlier on the Rangers PVC. We don't need to do that. Chris Beveridge at Chris Bev 74 was it worth the humiliation of the terrible hearts Darvel and Hibbs week to create the change of manager which has led to the brilliant run? Well, it, it shouldn't now have taken that. <laughs> it should not have taken the Hibbs result for that to have happened. No, agreed. That's, I'll, I'll put that straight out there and the board still um, have got a lot of making up to do uh, in my mind for the fact they set us up to fail so spectacularly with that game. Um, nothing is worth the Darvel result. That was a humiliation on a whole other level. Um, it's terrible getting beat 5-0 by Hearts. It's awful getting beat. It's, it's beyond awful getting beat 6-0 by Hibs, but um, Darvel was just another level. Yeah, I w- I'm inclined to agree. I can absolutely see the point that Chris is making, but you you just don't want that Darvel one on your record, do you? I feel that's kind of like, in a way, saying yes is kind of like being one of those fans that says, fuck, I hope we get beat this week. So the manager at sacked. I've never gotten that, that approach. Yeah, and I, I don't think that's what he means either. But I know what you mean. You get the ones that are, yeah, um, actively wanting points to be dropped so that someone goes. But yeah, I just can't, you know, and that fucking Darvel results on that record forever now. Yeah, exactly. So forever it's going to be an embarrassment. So yeah, not worth it. It was worth it going through that though for the show's exposure. True, absolutely true. Hello to all the new listeners. Um, I've just realised that there's a second tranche of questions, um, which I hadn't noticed before. We're going to do this really quickly because there's one final question, which is a perler, so we'll get there. Bobby Soggy, <laughs> Bobby's Soggy Biscuit ask, who would compliment Lee Hines more, Malcolm Podetko or Michael Bird? Um, which means, uh, Gavin, you have to break out. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do this again. Yeah, you've got to do it again. I'm Michael Bird, I'll never fly away. Now I know where my home is. But I still don't know where the goal is. Um, contrary to my previous answer about player versus player, I saw Lee Hines, so the answer is Malcolm Kadepko. Okay. I was 
kind of thinking the same thing. Are we are we talking prime fitness Lee Hines or chunky <laughs> monkey Lee Hines that got been by Jimmy Godwood? Chunky monkey Lee Hines. <laughs> <laughs> or Clyde Lee Hines, you know, not the one we got. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say Michael Bidetko as well because he... Graham will have to agree because I think he went on to be an accountant, I think. Uh, so an investment banker. An investment... Oh, well, so. you know what that's rhyming slang for? Indeed. What rhymes with investment? <laughs> He's a non-executive director of the SFA. He's a Ned. Fuck off. He's a Ned, yeah. Well, according to his Wikipedia. <laughs> Fuck off. Anyway, lovely. Anyway, right. Derek Beagery, Beagery 3, at Beagery 316. <laughs> what lines and Michael Bird must have played together? That would No, Michael Bird never played a first-team game Michael for Bird did play a first-team game for Aberdeen. Did was he? there, I watched it. <laughs> Let me see. Bird. He played at least two. He came on at Dens Park, and he came on in a home game with Queen of the South at Pataudry. No, he didn't. He came on. He came on against Hibs in the Premier League, and he came on against Dundee at Dens, and that's it. Oh, he came on against Dumbarton in the League Cup second round. Made three appearances. Jesus. There we go. It was a Bolton we signed him from. Eventually, tracked him for fucking ages. Right. Um no, that was that was no Kevin Davis. Oh, Derek Beagery at Beagery 316. Any coincidence that the upturn in form appears to have happened after Dave Cormack returned stateside? <laughs> Just think how good it would be if our inspired leader was still here. I think it maybe has more to do with hiring a manager that knows how to get the best out of the group of players he has and also improving the team and also bidding out Tony's shirt. All I'm gonna say is correlation is not causation. Could be the catchphrase of the show. Indeed, I think so. Um, um, do we need to give a special shout out to Andrew McKinley at Hearts for helping with Barry Robson's team talk this week? Yes, we do. Andrew McKinley being the director at Hearts who said that they welcomed the chase, I believe. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, all good. What a fucking tool. Um, there we go. I think that's pretty much everything we had there. There's one final question from Cam McWilliam, and it is the question of all questions. Whatever happened to Reds and Co? I have asked that on more than one occasion. It's a, it's a good question. I suspect they're all grown up now. It's just a thought. But you don't just suddenly wake up one Saturday and be like, oh, well, I'm not in Redsicle anymore. If anyone knows the answer to that, here, genuinely, if anyone out there knows the answer to this, more importantly, were you a member of Reds and Co. back in the day? And if so, get you on the show. You've got, you're about to have some stories to tell us. And why did we make them go out in December, for God's sake? <laughs> it was absolutely Baltic. You know, who was the biggest perv, Angus the Bull or Simon the Seagull? No, we didn't have Simon the Seagull then. We allocate. <laughs> we allocate. Definitely we allocate. Or the Libby Lion. He was a dirty bastard. <laughs> Absolutely. No, never mind, never mind. No, never mind. That that Hertha Berlin mascot. Oh, yeah. The one that just did hip thrusts towards the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was he called? What was that thing called? <laughs> towards the yard. <laughs> <laughs> What was his name? Hertinho. Oh, uh, whoever was underneath that him. costume. I hope he's like routinely watched. He looks like a predator. Look at him. You're talking about the mascot or the guy behind the mascot now? Well, the mascot. You know, awful stuff. I do remember that. That was, that was vaguely amusing. <laughs> different, different, different times. Different times, yeah. Also, <laughs> this is a personal bugbear of mine. Mascots that have no relation to like the team of the area. Why is he a bear? I've been to Berlin, but there were no bears. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And before anyone calls me out, there might be a zoo and there might be a bear in there. But in I actual, think, I, I think there's downtown Berlin, there was not an abundance of bears. I didn't have to go for that Homer Simpson bear tax. I've yet to see a cow going around Aberdeen City Centre. He's a bull, you moron. <laughs> we're famous for it so it fits and we've got lots of seagulls so it fits and we've got sheep so it fits um, to be fair the coat of arms for Berlin does have a bear on it so so they used to go. have a bear problem is what you're saying <laughs> sounds like it okay who knows is there a lion problem in Livingston oh they're That's notorious the if on those roundabouts all there is just lions roaming about just pouncing on people yeah, don't get me started on the mini ones. Anyway, uh, right. retail outlet after anyway, lion. Anyway, let's just wind this up with uh, a moment of appreciation that uh, Sammy the Tammy is one step closer to being back in where he belongs. That's the top flight Scottish football. Well, that and, and Brideys. steak Brideys. Yes, absolutely. Steak Brideys and his tank. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him seeing him doing a, a salute to Sir Steve Redgrave where he was. <laughs> rowing with what I think was a couple of snow shovels on the pitch. <laughs> Don't give Neil Doncaster any more ideas. So the sooner we get him and his bridies back, the better. Indeed. Absolutely. Promote them now. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Automatic promotion. Queen's Park can get the fuck. Right. That'll wrap us up on this week's episode of ABZFP. Thanks for joining us. If you've stuck with us, you've done better than I have. Please remember to like, subscribe, or follow, or whatever you might do on your podcast player. Choice. Join us next week for episode 100, where we'll review our game with Sefco 5088 Limited. We'll look ahead to whatever nonsense the SPFL fixture computer decides to spit out for our post-split games. And in celebration of us reaching the milestone 100 episode mark, we bring you part number one of our interview with the man who last captained Aberdeen FC to a major trophy. And that seems like it's nearly 10 years. Nearly 10 years. That's a long time ago. A diehard Aberdeen fan who went on to live the dream. It is, of course, the one and the only Russell Anderson. We look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!